It's another podcast. Cast. <laughs> yes, Carlitos. Ambitious day today. Ambitious. Huh? We actually just put this together like with about a thousand texts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like last night. <laughs> All right, we've got a special guest here. You want to introduce our guest? Well, I want to introduce my buddy Sean, his long-term friend here. And we've been working together probably about 15 years. Yeah, well, shit, that time is fast, man. Fuck. That long? Really? That, yeah. That's fucking long time, man. But before Sean starts, <laughs> I told him today about an hour before he showed up, hey, man, you better have a song. <laughs> so do you have a song? I, I think you can make it up on the fly. Why the hell not? Go ahead. It's all yours, Sean. Hello, my name is Sean. I like to drink my whiskey. I like to drive my fucking Dodge and fuck anyone who drives a Ford. <laughs> Hey, I'm a Ford driver. <laughs> Beautiful. I love it, man. I love it, buddy. That was wonderful. Okay, so let's get this next podcast on the go. And today we are talking concrete. Concrete commercial. Commercial concrete. Commercial concrete. So this is not closed caption. This is CC, but not closed caption. That's this right. is concrete commercial concrete. That's right. So, Sean... Why don't you introduce yourself and just give us a little lowdown about yourself? I'm Sean. I've uh, been in the industry you know, uh, well over 15 years now. Got my introduction to concrete working for uh, Dufferin Concrete. Uh, a big player in the business. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I was a uh, quality control technician, or they say the voodoo doctor, you know. They, the voodoo it, doctor. Yeah, Is yeah. that what it's called? Yeah. It's almost like, uh, yeah, it's almost like you're throwing the chicken bones on the ground and figuring out, you know, okay, is this a good mode <laughs> or not? Like, <laughs> Yeah, so for me, it was, uh, I was a technician with them, and uh, I would doctor the loads, like, uh, you know, you go on site, and uh, you'd have a super who would uh, not speak English, except, you know, oh, fuck you, Karai, or something. <laughs> <laughs> fuck Portuguese. Yeah. <laughs> it's or, always Portuguese. Or, hey, <laughs> <laughs> I said I wanted a four-inch. Okay, uh, so a four-inch sump, meaning, like, uh, the concrete falls four inches when you pull through a sump cone, but that's, we'll get into that. But yeah, so they want me to doctor the load, make it wet, make it work for them, go into a variety of different formwork, uh, a lot of architectural formwork, did a lot of heavy industrial jobs, uh, did a lot of jobs with uh, the Canadian government, did the runway at CFB Trenton. Holy was, cow, man. Yeah. That. You're on the second or third page of this resume. What yeah. the fuck's going on? <laughs> this um, guy's amazing. Yeah, no, we uh, oh, we did a lot of work. Uh, we did everything from high rises uh, to military applications. So you you called us, we did it. So Wow. So you came in and you were a part of the crew or you were a part of like the concrete gets specced a certain way and yeah, then the crew exactly the concrete gets specced a certain way i come in i ensure the quality of our product i doctor the loads if we have to you know so you get a load that's a bit dry okay you doctor the load with either plasticizers air entrainment things like that then move on to other things like okay this loads a bit dry or, or this loads a bit wet okay like leave that off to the side we'll bring this truck in and it's not going to time out yet so we'll get the you know just kind of managing the so, day so, so concrete's basically like this serious song and dance like i mean when oh absolutely it's the first thing that goes in the ground and it's the last thing that anybody thinks of and if you have you know a shit foundation going in you know you're gonna have a shit product that doesn't matter whether you use the nicest granite countertops or the nicest finishes if your foundation shit you know the rest of the product's gonna be shit well said there's a little bit of static yeah, someone's vacuuming in the shop. Oh, They're drilling. Could I? Turn it off. I actually just. No, uh, can't do that. No, no, no. So, so, so we just want to do we another. Like we want to do another shout out because we keep forgetting about doing this at the top. Of we the didn't forget. I put it. Yeah. Go ahead, Carlito. Listen, Sean. When you first walked in, you met Mark. He's the yep. owner of this company, Skylux Roofing. I want everyone to know that Skylux isn't just a flat roof company. No. 
these guys do siding and paneling. There's so many things. These Metal guys work. Do. They That's do right. all kinds of stuff. We're in a live working workshop here. But, but even more important for me, Mark has gone out of his way to allow us to do something better for the industry. And he's a huge team player. And I, yeah. I just want to keep doing shout outs. Huge he's shout just out so to amazing to even have us here. So that's the yeah. noise that you hear in the background. The guys are actually cleaning up and getting ready. It was a rainy day today, so yeah. a lot of guys rainy are doing day. shop work, as you know probably as oh, well, absolutely. too. Let's get back to concrete. So I'm fascinated because it's true. You're right. Concrete isn't the prettiest. It's not the most... It can be. It can, yeah, it can be. be yeah. It can be, but it's not the prettiest when you talk about homeowners and any of that. Or you talk about politicians. You talk about tendering. You talk about you know, commercial applications. It's not the prettiest, but it is an extremely important aspect of construction. Huge. Absolutely. I want to know more about the whole industry from the time that it's ordered to the time that it's cured. I want to know. I want, to, I want you to take us through that whole trip. What are the bullshit aspects of this industry? You know, what are the typical stereotypes of this industry? What do we have to deal with? What, what do we have to change? I want to change shit. I want to make the shit better. I want to learn. I want younger guys getting into this. We all know that concrete is a hard job. Yeah. It is an extremely hard, physically demanding job. Exactly. And if you have a shit attitude, you can't do this job. But if you love this industry and you want to do concrete, then you'll have a different kind of attitude. So, Sean, I really want you to take us through that whole trip, man. No, absolutely. And like you said, man uh, a lot of the industry you know it's the last thing you think about it's a very physically demanding job and then on top of that these guys you know compared to say carpenters or the electricians or the other guys they're not paid as much you know some of these guys are making you know 20 bucks an hour wow. when the form finished carpenters you know anywhere 35 40 bucks an hour but it all depends on if you're unionized or not and if you're not unionized you know you're kind of at the shit end of the spectrum and it's unfortunate so true it's really unfortunate because there's a lot of guys doing a lot of good work or piece work who are just getting the shaft uh, because you know they think oh yeah it's not really you could hire anybody off the street and that's just not the case is that a common mentality in the I, industry I, I think so yeah some of it is a, a common mentality where you know you'll see guy you know if you don't like it you know go work for another forming company right Especially in the residential sector, you know, you see a lot of that. But when you get to the more commercial ICI side where, you know, you have a hundred different eyes from a hundred different government agencies or regulatory bodies or consultants looking after the job, you know, 500 white hats for three yellow hats working, you know, that mentality, uh, you, you know, people. Why, why are the white hats always the fucking cleanest ones on the job yeah, site? Exactly. Wait a second, aren't you a white hat? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. <laughs> A white hat with a lot of grime he just on came it. In here. <laughs> you. I'm not picking on anybody, but I do yeah. notice when you drive by a job site, you really notice those white hats very easily. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they stand out like they stand out like a sore thumb. I guess they get wiped before they get put back into the truck. Uh, uh, probably. Is that what happens? <laughs> they go in a special suitcase. Exactly. <laughs> Can you talk about some of the challenging jobs that you've come across? One of the most challenging jobs we had was uh, CFE Trenton, where we were rebuilding the runway and a couple other installations I can't really talk about doing an NDA. We were redoing the de-icing bay and part of the runway there. They had Dufferin Construction and contracted out the concrete uh, because of time, because of space and location to a local provider. I think it was CBM and Lafarge and they both uh, didn't meet the requirements, right? We had, you know, low breaks after seven days. And, anyway, and what is that? Typically what they do is they test cylinders at 7, uh, 14 and 28 days to test strength. So at seven days, you should be getting about 75% strength cured strength after 14 days you should be looking at about 85 and then uh, they take another set of cylinders for the 30-day strength and it should be well on its way to get reaching its maximum uh, mpa or strength and if it's not well oh shit you got a big problems there 
And if it's not, what are the causes? Is it because of the way it was poured or how quickly? Or Too how much water? Poured either the mix was not right. You weather? Know. Is weather an issue uh, Weather is well? a factor. There's like a hundred different factors in uh, you know, a concrete pour, right? Was the equipment that mixes the concrete or batches the concrete, was it letting enough uh, cement into the mix? Was it letting enough sand, slag, things like that? You know, there's a hundred different things. How much water each uh, truck has on it now, because before you would dump all the water in your drum before you would go do a mix. But now due to environmental regulations and you have the Ministry of Environment breathing down these the guys. Slur. But, you can't yeah, dump you, that. Yeah, you can't dump that. So now you're rebatching that with that amount of water on. So if you have a hundred liters of water on, you got to account for that in the mix, right? That's become a norm now because yeah, of that? Absolutely. It's become a big norm. Yeah, we but got it's clean not out a, boxes and everything else. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They have, I forget the technical name for it, but basically it's this bucket that goes goes at the end of the shoot. Yeah, I've you, seen it. Yeah, I, you rinse yeah, you rinse, rinse it your down. Tools. Uh, you rinse your tools. They take that what's left, they dump it in a bin that the contractor has provided. And then they go back to the yard and say, hey, I got approximately X amount of water on me. Load me up with this. And then it's up to the driver when they're washing up to slump up the load before they head out. So from there, they head out to the site. Uh, they get to site depending on the weather. If it's really cold, you know, you got to account for temperature because if you're pouring concrete and the concrete is less than 10 degrees, it's going to freeze. You surprise, surprise. There's water yeah, in concrete. It, exactly. And, so a really good question. Can you pour concrete in the winter? This yep. is Canada, Carlito. Yeah, yeah, no, we do. I, I'm, no. I know, I know. It's, it's information. I know, everyone, but I, right? I'm like yeah. surprised that you get a lot of homeowners, you get people in general that don't know the industry and they don't realize, okay, I guess you guys just all shut down for the winter months. No. No, we, we, we go 24 7 and it, it really depends, right? You know, we have MTO projects, we have residential products. You guys are I, pouring on holidays, you guys are pouring on Sundays, you absolutely. were pouring on, on, on all kinds of days. You pour when you have to pour. You have to take advantage of that. Except right? for when it pours from the sky. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> exactly. I mean, I uh, one of the things is... Try the veal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but one of the things is like you, you know, add heat to the concrete. And one of the ways you do that is you add hot water, you add additives like calcium, you add other additives, you know, like water reducers to prevent uh, shrinking and cracking in the concrete when you're pouring. And it doesn't affect the actual curing process again of the concrete? Well, it doesn't. So once, you know, the concrete arrives on site, we pour it, it now becomes the contractor's responsibility. You got to insulate that. You got to provide heaters to that. You could pour in winter. You just got to provide the right conditions, right? And when people come back and say, oh yeah, your concrete shit, you know, my wall fell apart when I pulled the forming. Okay, well, did you insulate it? No. Did you put blankets on it? No. Did you have a heater on it? No. Well, that's your problem. That's basically the reality of yeah. it. It's true because it's just you guys are bringing a product that's brought on site, but it belongs to the site foreman at that point and how that product's going to be fully cured because your product is not complete after it's poured. Absolutely. It's complete after that magic 28 day period or whatever exactly is, right and what a lot of people don't realize is when you're doing massive pours and you see you know the construction on the highway and you know they're like oh they poured the concrete last night right and they still have the formwork on it why can't they pull it off well technically you're not supposed to pour that uh, or to pull that formwork off until that the temperature the internal temperature of the concrete is within 10 degrees of the ambient temperature outside if it's too hot or too cold and you pull the formwork off too early you'll see it on a lot of bridges on the gardener all the spider cracking and stuff and that's the reason why that's pretty much the reason how do why. they test the concrete to find out what the temperature the core temperature are they were using a the heat cylinders gun? yeah so what, they have cylinders and one of the things that like a lot of government jobs are doing now is they're like burying little nodes inside the concrete so you, when they have like I guess where they put the rebar in or they tighten down the formwork, they'll slip like a little node in and it'll test the temperature of the concrete. It's brilliant. As it's curing. And Holy fuck. Eh? I never oh, this heard is exciting, that yet. man. 
oh, yeah. love this. This is amazing. And we talk concrete trash all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know what? Since you brought up the gardener, I want to actually talk about how, me personally, I hate the fact that they're tearing down the gardener. Oh, same here. Because I hate the fact that Toronto is a big city. We are a big city. For people that are not familiar with Toronto, Gardner is basically an elevated overpass highway, some structure, Yeah, it's right? a major artery in the city. It's a it's, major artery from yeah. one end, from the west to the east, and vice versa. It runs that way. But the problem is that you get a lot of politicians and a lot of people that are crying yeah. that it's an eyesore. Oh, yeah, I the 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 soy boys. <laughs> and, and they the keep lips. forgetting that, yeah. okay, sure, not everybody can take mass transit. Not everybody can ride a bicycle. That you cannot get rid of what was, what's, what do you call this thing? The fucking car. You can't get rid of that well thing. Well said, man. Right? Yeah, so no. we need to actually build the garden or, or repair it but what i get frustrated with is when you see those spider cracks and you're seeing band-aid after band-aid after band-aid and, and why not just build in today's technology i'm not a concrete guy you're a concrete guy i'm assuming in 2019 we could actually build a concrete structure elevated highway that will last centuries yeah, without no, any you, issues you well can, how about in germany germany's highways are good for 50 plus yeah, years in, in germany also you look at their road construction and they like you gotta love the Germans because they, when they build something, they build it on steroids, right? Yeah, eight their road, feet thick. Yeah, their road base is <laughs> was one meter thick. I mean, you drive on the autobahns; that concrete's not cracking for the next, you know, fifty. To that base years. is one meter. One thick? meter thick. I've heard of spots being seven to eight feet thick. Yeah, depending on the uh, geographic area and what's underneath it. Yeah, some places are eight feet thick. I was at an event; I think it was last year for brick and pavers and stuff like that, and they were actually showing a new system of laying your pavers right on yeah. roadways and this system was taken from Europe where they were building a 12 inch concrete base first yeah and then put the pavers on top of it it wasn't about gravel it wasn't about sand it wasn't about any screening it was a concrete base and I was like that makes sense we should leave that for the landscaping show sure sure <laughs> sure but I'm just saying yeah to your point one meter thick base for a roadway makes a lot of sense concrete. exactly yeah the cars are traveling on it uh, every single day it would parking make, on it parking, sitting on it exactly yeah. you know the, there's an accident you know the cars are sitting there but when you come back to the gardener you know it was built in the 50s <sighs> and a lot of the city infrastructure that you're seeing now because i live downtown too i recently moved down here big mistake but, but, <laughs> hey, I, i'm a country boy so i mean i i, I love uh, i love green pastures and everything but yeah getting back to the gardener you look at it it wasn't meant to handle the amount of abuse and traffic that it Salt. has on it now it was also built at a time where you know they just wanted to get it up and running and you know have the whole city in the sky concept okay cool but now it's like okay we're stuck with it we can't tear it down because you know we're just going to flood the streets everywhere with traffic because it has nowhere to go it was a poorly designed but yeah. my problem is with the yeah. civil engineering of toronto because when you start building 23 condo towers that are accessible to one off-ramp on yeah. a highway and you're begging for a problem right exactly if by chance by miracle you're the political figure that's involved in and in actually fixing or building a better gardener how would you do that? What I would do is I'd look a lot. Of, I would look at a different precast options. I mean, you look at the 427, all those beams and everything that we put in. Hell, even the Union Pearson Express. I was involved in that project for two years of my life. All that is precast. You Get look, out of here. Yeah. So all the beams and everything running across that the, uh, the tracks sit on, that's all precast concrete. What they'll do is they'll pour it off site. 
they'll put it in a form in and perfect the, conditions. Perfect, perfect conditions. conditions. They bring uh, they pull Is that off. Echo? The, yeah, a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they pull off the formwork. They uh, bring it to site. They have a crane lifted into place, and away you go. Right. So what I would do is they already shut down the gardener for a year before. Right. Shut down the gardener. Tear out every fucking pillar that you can. I mean because. With today's technology, and you see it in Germany, and you and see rebar it, work has completely oh, changed now. Oh, exactly. Rebar is getting coated now because they realize the rapid uh, cl uh, chloride uh, penetration. So the salt from the road, when uh, it starts to melt and everything starts to penetrate in the concrete, then it starts to freeze and because concrete up. is porous. Exactly. <laughs> and it well, it could be dense depending on the pore, right? Yeah, depending on the mix you want. You could get architectural concrete, which is sm as smooth as this uh, tabletop right here. And then you could get guys to finish it, and I'll put, put all sorts of coatings in on it. If it were me, I'd tear all of it down. I'd close the gardener for a year, as you know, as unpopular as it may be, as much as people would be, hate me. Okay, tear it down, put it in a brand new product, formwork everything, I'd say, and then putting in the pillars wouldn't take any more than eight, nine months, and then putting in all the precasts would take no time, build your right. road base. Wait, then, wait a second, that's <laughs> you doing it, not with people trying to stop it and inspect it. No, 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 it. hang on a sec. Yeah. That's somebody who knows how to do it versus politicians who yeah, don't have yeah. a fucking clue which end but, of the hammer is used. But by paperwork always makes everything a longer process, right? No, absolutely. I I mean, the more people you get involved, the more deadlines get passed, right? Yeah. To Carlito's point, you get into a situation. I used to run into a situation and a lot of it, the times on site. I mean, yeah, I'm 31 years old and I got a baby face Fuck, right now. Fuck, we're okay. still older than yeah. everybody. I'm always the oldest. Yeah, yeah I, I know I got a baby face, but you know, you'd run into a site and I've been working with uh, Carlito for a very long time and I know how the construction game works. And you'd run into some kid on site who's maybe... 19, 20 years old, he's been appointed from WSP or one of these big consultant firms or, you know, he's working directly for the city and his job is there for $17 an hour to sit and, you know, watch the concrete pour. And he's been given like a little fact sheet what to look at. And if anything goes outside of this, you have to stop the work immediately. And, and that's the other thing you have to deal with too, the consultants who have no idea how the fuck to do the job. So They've how did they get their job? Like how any other politician gets their job. <laughs> Fuck. But, but you, you know, know what? Somebody. Without because, knee pads, I pour, eh? because I pour a lot of concrete too. No, exactly. Layering concrete makes separation. So those are breakpoints. Exactly. So what's the, the actual term for that? Uh, cold cold? Jo yeah, cold joints. Cold joints. That's it. But getting back to both of what you guys were saying, and I just want to kind of hog hog the mic for a second. Go ahead. Um, a lot of people are complaining about construction going on downtown, and they don't realize if we're not doing construction. First of all, you're not going to be able to drive on the roads. You're not going to have any water. You're not going to have any hydro. So the next time you guys see construction workers blocking the road, say thank you instead of telling them to get lost or get finished. I hate hearing guys screaming at contractors that are working their ass off to, to give these privileged people you know, you know what the a place to drive. The biggest thing that people are forgetting when they see all this construction in the core going on, they're forgetting that you're not we're building a better city to attract more people to come here to visit or to work or to move. Exactly. If you've got a shit infrastructure city and a shit city that's just a band-aid on top of each other, you're not going to attract anything. You're not going to be a viable city for the Olympics, for world events, for anything like that. People it's are going to want to move out of there and not give a shit about it. And that's not what we should be doing. Toronto is a big city that should be competing against other big cities. Absolutely. All this talk that you've been saying, Sean, reminds me of the big 
big dig back in Boston when they did that. How long ago was that? That was, that was 2000, dec- 2002, something yeah, like that. Yeah, I was going to say about almost 20 years now. That was a major nightmare for the city. Yeah. But look at the city now. <laughs> it's so funny. When we want something built to make money, it gets built right away. Oh, yeah. But when we don't want something to build and you want to make lots of money, it gets prolonged. Oh, yeah. The other solution to me is, you know, people think I'm kind of crazy, but, you know, we have situations where we have bridges out and, you know, built highways out in the water. My thing is, why don't we build, you know, because the lake's shallow to a certain point, why don't we build like an entire freeway connecting, you know, the Niagara area to Toronto? Oh, fucking great idea. Yeah. Wow. Why don't I build it out on the water? We have tons of I think we have there. our new prime minister. So, uh, I, I oh, had don't a crazy, get me started. I, <laughs> I, had a, show. I had a crazy <laughs> idea about why aren't we building a tunnel that goes from the 427 to the DVP? So if you wanted to bypass the core, yeah, you just, so you just drive smart. right through. So smart. But I understand that that would cost a lot of money. But I'm like, listen, the French and the English did it, and it worked. And yeah. they did it over a channel, right? A tunnel, uh, a channel. I was eventually <laughs> yeah. going to get to it. We just dug. I was they on built uh, over it. Yeah, yeah. I should have got a bit more into where I am now. Uh, I'm actually working for a company right now called BAI Communications. So we install like DAS systems and provide Wi-Fi to the TTC and everything. But before that, I was working at TTC, and I was helping them a lot with the TYSSC project, so the new subway extension in the Vaughan. We just dug, you know, 13 kilometers of track, so it wouldn't be anything to get the TBM back in the ground and start digging again. That's what they should have been doing for the last 30 years, Mm. just keep digging. I was surprised to read, I think it was last year or the year before, I read an article where Toronto didn't get its first subway until the 1940s. So Chicago and New York already got theirs. They were already 60 years ahead of us. And I heard, I read somewhere where the reason that it took us another 50, 60 years to actually get a subway approved was politician and bureaucratic bullshit. And I'm yeah, like, we're the this only is... country 50 years behind. Well, this is the bullshit. And we don't want this episode to turn into a political, just we, oh, Carlito sorry. and I were talking about earlier today. Oh, Sean but, loves this. But we don't want it to, we want it to be concrete, right? We want it to be yeah. about the grassroots guys, the guys that show up on this job site, they know their shit like yourself. And also the guys that are, you know, like the 18, 19 year old's got a clipboard and he's speaking to a consultant that doesn't know shit about concrete. You should really have the guys and girls who know their shit on the front lines. Exactly. And they should be, they should have a voice. They should have a voice that should be expressing this to the correct people. And, and reality-wise, if you're a consultant or if you're a politician or if you're anybody that's in authority and you don't fucking know the answer, just express that you don't fucking know the answer. You're going to gain a lot more respect if you do that instead of you try to pretend that you know the answer. Exactly. And then you can say, okay, I'm going to come back to you with a proper answer because I don't want to lie to you. And I mean, you cover my ass because I don't want to get fired. Yeah, exactly. Is what I heard. I was fortunate enough to be invited to a, a Minka's job site where they did a pour. Yeah. And it was a 19 hour day where they were pouring. It was 700 and some odd, 750 truckloads. Yeah. They so that poured. Would be, they were doing yeah. a, a, a raft slab. Okay, yeah. So that's what they were doing. I was astonished. And it was raining, but they were factoring that in. This was done in conjunction with Lafarge. It was their biggest pour to date in North America. And I was just blown away on how much concrete was just... Like, they had five shoots going down. Then they had three pumps going down. And we were shooting the whole experience from, like, the crack of dawn. We started at one in the morning, right? And it worked away. We saw the sunrise. It went all day long to the sun setting. And then, obviously, there was some hot heads towards the end because of the shift change and the truck drivers change and all this other stuff. Overall, for me, just looking at it from the outside, it was such a well-oiled machine. I was just like looking at these guys and who knew, like everybody knew what they had to do. That's what I'm fascinated by when it comes to concrete. I want to hear more about that kind of stuff that you've seen or what kind of big pores. 
Yeah, so to kind of like take you back uh, into how uh, the whole industry works. So the first thing that happens before any of this goes on site, you know, you have to call the order of the concrete and you tell them, okay, this is the mixed design I want because I'm going to be working on a roadway or, you know, this is going to be a raft slab, like you said, or this is going in a parking garage. So there's different mixed designs and there's different additives that you put into the concrete based on the order. And then we could upsell you. We could have brass and trained fibers to make the concrete uh, stronger. We could have synthetic fibers added. What on kind site. of fibers? So brass? Uh, one of the military applications that we did was uh, 150 MPA concrete. 150? 150. So it was a, what we call like a super mix, like a really one-time kind of mix, like a special mix for a customer. I thought you couldn't do anything more than 115. That's pure concrete. I thought 90 was the magic number, wasn't is not? Yeah, that, that's just pure concrete. That doesn't take into the fact that what it cracks at, and it doesn't take into the fact like any of the fibers or the additives that are added on site or after the fact. So this is stiff. Yeah, so this stuff is uh, stiff, and I can't really get into the details. No, okay, for sorry. sure. Yeah. But why I would, mean, why would you, what's the reason why you would need, without divulging stuff that's going to get you legally in trouble, but why would you need 150? Uh, 150, you would need it for applications that are exposed to a lot of punishment. Uh, that's all I can really say. So oh, any, I can understand. Yeah, any I environment understand. where you're uh, exposed to a lot of punishment. I get it. You okay. know, uh, you would uh, you would need that sort of application. Hmm. And I mean, there's like, and that kind of concrete, like uh, the concrete that went into the Sky Dome, they're saying that... Uh, when uh, you started to chip it out, you would blow through Hilti drills, you would blow through tools like crazy, and it would have to chip it out by hand because it was just so hard that it would burn out the motors. I'm glad, wow. that, you said, I'm glad that you said Hilti and not Bosch. Oh. <laughs> I'm glad you said Hilti too because I like Hilti. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a Hilti guy, so. Oh, yeah. Surprise, yeah. surprise. <laughs> yeah, but getting back to it. So you, you place the order for the concrete, and then it goes to dispatch, and they have to figure out, okay, which drivers are going to pull in, and you know you have your A-grade drivers, you have your B-grade drivers, then you have your reject drivers who you know you want to put in towards the end of the shift because you don't want anything going off badly you know towards the beginning it's so right? funny you, you say that because there are drivers you don't want no so <laughs> gold silver and, and bronze drivers right? uh, i don't even think bronze i think it's like <laughs> someone took a dump on that and <laughs> lobbed it off the side of the gardener but <laughs> you get some of those guys and it's like okay so then you have to schedule these drivers accordingly then you have to pick the plants and you have to pick the location of the plants so the loads don't time out right because if you get backed up on site you're throwing away that load of concrete and some of these loads could be anywhere from 900 bucks to about ten thousand dollars in concrete depending on what additives and everything 10k for a load yeah that's you know that's nothing and i i do remember wow. you and i were talking one night i had called you and you were working a really late night you were building a bridge whatever location i remember you telling me there was 10 trucks when you showed up that were sitting for about four hours what and you the? had to salvage the concrete that was about to go to garbage so uh what was the reason why it was sitting for that long just contractors not being organized enough we tried to salvage a load and we ended up just dumping it we had to basically uh, throw a whole ton of plasticizer in it just so we didn't destroy the drum you replace one of those once or twice at sixty thousand dollars you know wow. you don't want to do that again whether you're a big uh, construction company or not right that must have hurt that just oh. must have hurt to just like dump the fucking load oh, just absolutely. get rid of that garbage absolutely but we'll get more to back to that story because that was actually a funny story uh, but I want to hear it. Yeah. So 
after the uh, order desk and the dispatchers and everything, and now it comes down to the, the QC uh, manager and the QC supervisor to organize like guys like myself who used to show up on site and make sure that everything would go well. I think one of the coolest pours I ever did was actually the substation right down on Bremner by the Roger, not the Rogers Center. Yeah, it is the Rogers Center, the Sky Dome. I still call it a Sky Dome. I still call it a Sky Dome. Yeah, it's still I know. Sky Dome. The stadium downtown for everybody who's not familiar with Toronto. But. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, so, uh, you know, we had, uh, I think it was a seven or 8,000 meter pour that day that was wow. going into the foundation. And it was 32C2, which was like a 32 MPA mix modified for the foundation and everything. So after they, uh, you know, pick, they, and you want your best QC guys on site. You don't want like the intern to show up because... Yeah, he knows fuck off. You want him to watch. Exactly. You, you don't want, want the to guys watch to get angry. Yeah, you want him to watch and learn, hey, here's the company credit card. Go get everyone coffee while they're yelling at me. <laughs> hey, caray, where's the concrete Why is it always Portuguese screaming? Because, no, because, <laughs> Why no. are you looking at me? No. I never got into concrete. Portuguese. I never no. got into concrete. No, I noticed one thing. It's like, okay, you get the wasp at one end of the spectrum who kind of like manage the project because they don't want to get their hands dirty anymore. So, then you have the Italians who kind of manage, you know, the Portuguese. And then you got Sean from the Bahamas. <laughs> Trinidad, yeah. You're a Trini? Yeah, my parents are from Trinidad oh, and Tobago. Oh, wow, man. Yeah, most people look at me like, you're not black, and I keep on going. I, I tell uh, them, you know, I am from the waist down and kneecap up, so. <laughs> More than welcome to talk to my wife, uh, Susanna. Those she are can white confirm. people. Those she are white people. <laughs> they, they all think people from Trinidad are all black, and I'm like, listen, yeah, man, no. they're not. It doesn't work that way, No, right? exactly. <laughs> Someone had to get all all of them there but ew, that's another <laughs> that's a whole other <laughs> yeah. episode <laughs> yeah exactly so after you pick your QC guys and you have everything organized you know usually these things will start at around 11 o'clock at night you have a big safety meeting uh, you load your guys up they come in you test the first load and the first load is usually like a benchmark about how the pour will go if the guy, the QC guy or the QC manager got his mix ratios and everything right, it goes well. But if you have to start fucking with it at the batcher's end, oh, that's the other thing. The batchers, on the first batch? On the first batch. We're running behind. We'll send the first load and test the second one just to make sure everything goes perfectly. Batchers, they do not get the respect they deserve because they're under pressure all the time they got to load a load of truck in six so everybody minutes. understands yeah, what I that know. is what is that batcher is a guy who sits up in a, in a tower and he basically uh automates the machine or he's one of the guys who looks after the automated machines to make sure that the concrete's coming out all right that there's no mechanical pro uh, problems with the equipment of it batching and everything they don't get a lot of respect that they deserve and uh, dispatchers too to that end because everybody needs to work cohesively and if you don't like it's going to be a disaster he's so pretentious yeah. no but it's <laughs> no. true it's just they have little to no time to pull off a perfect fucking throw exactly you know what i mean and it, and it's difficult and then they're under the gun too exactly you got to batch a truck in six minutes he's got to pull up he's got to you know dispense all the concrete into the truck the trunk's got uh, tr truck's got to go wash up if he's got to come in for a test that adds time to everything so usually what we used to do is we used to test the first like five loads and then after that we would test every fifth load and if there was a problem okay we start testing every load until like the fifth one was good and then we'd continue on and then we'll go to a site like uh, this. That's substation. a lot of loads, Sean. <laughs> One could say I'm a load specialist. <laughs> I had to, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> How's that feel? <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Back to loads. Yeah, yeah so... 
<laughs> after that, yeah, we'll go to a site like the substation where, you know, you have a seven, 8,000 meter pour going on and everything has to be coordinated perfectly. You have the pump guys on site. The trucks arrive on site and then each truck is then coordinated by the site super or his minions to say, okay, go here, go there, different pumps different places and then they start pouring the concrete and it's got to go in one fluid motion if you have one truck that's late for five minutes back at the yard and you get stuck in traffic it could literally fuck up the entire pour and we've seen that time and time again where you know we're waiting on uh, concrete on site and you know contractors don't care that hey there's traffic you know i remember one uh, job that i was at uh, downtown uh, the deloitte towers that they just put up at bay and adelaide the concrete foreman on site would start pouring at two o'clock on a friday afternoon yeah, I know. What the fuck? Yeah, well, I, I was going to get to that. That's why we pour at night. No traffic. Keep the concrete yeah, cooler. Exactly. But when you pour at 2 o'clock because you want your guys to get overtime at the end of the week and completely fuck up the entire pour. Come on. Yeah. You can't do that. It's politics, right? You know, it, I don't want to, you know, bash on unions, but some of them are really good to work with. Other guys, you know, you, you, you don't want to touch them with a 10-foot pole. This is the kind of business that you got to be working as a collective, not as an individual. Exactly. Man. You got to think of the whole process, yeah. you know, start to finish. Not just what the consultant's thinking, but how the trade guys are doing on site, too. Everyone's got to work together. And if, you know, one thing's off, throws everything off. You ever get any angry fucking homeowners that are living in the condos downtown? You guys start pouring in the middle of the night? Oh, yeah. Cops have come by. You know, people used to throw stuff off the balcony at us. No uh, way. Yeah, no. Bananas? Uh, Fuck. <laughs> are you serious? Yeah. They've got balls to throw shit at yeah, you guys? Yeah, that chick yeah. throws chairs. So. Yeah, there was a chick who threw chairs. Uh, there was a uh, guy. She was just stupid. Yeah, there were guys who were, like, throwing all sorts of shit. I think some guy threw a clay pot off the roof wow. one night. Yeah. That's assault, man. Oh, yeah. Especially if it cracks somebody in the fucking yeah, head, right? Yeah, exactly. And, a lot, of the, and a lot of those guys who live up in those towers anyway couldn't throw to save their fucking life. Why would you throw shit at concrete guys? You don't realize that something could well, happen? Well, first of all, you move downtown. <laughs> yeah. You expect it to be loud. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I live at Bathurst and Bloor. There's no quiet. No. no. There's drunk guys up and down the street. The universities are everywhere. The pubs are everywhere. Construction's going on. You know, not, not enough people respect construction and construction yeah, workers. I agree with you. No, completely. exactly. Another time, well, it's not just the homeowners or any of the people who live in the next facility. It's uh, the guys working on site. You know, I had uh, one guy throw a piece of rebar at me one time. Holy cow. Yeah, That's one basically of the a spear, man. Oh, yeah. No, I hear you. I in hear Portugal you, it is. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, when you're under pressure and you're under like time constraints and everything. A and full rebar? Did he cut it down for No, no, it was like, a, I don't know, a two foot piece of rebar, uh, about, you know, about 10, 20 mil. Holy shit. 20 mil? Stupid. Yeah. That's Stupid. a nice piece of rebar. Yeah, wait till you get hit with 40 mil, then we'll talk. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, we built that one house. It was 35 mil. Yeah, out of I columns. remember that. Yeah. yeah. It looks I, like Carlito's I got, got a, questions, man. I got a man. ton of things, dude. First of all, can we go and dumb it down a little bit? And I don't mean yeah, yeah, no, dumb no. it down. Just so people can understand what slump means, what 90 to 115 means. Okay, uh, yeah. Just the basic language to uh, someone talking to a concrete truck or ordering. Uh, I'll get into the three uh, characteristics of concrete. So there's slump, there's air, and there's temperature. So slump is the viscosity of the concrete, how thick, how thin. Uh, how know, watery? How, yeah, how watery, how plastic the concrete is. From there, after that, you have temperature, and temperature is everything, right? You usually want the load to be between 15 and 25 degrees. And too hot, it sets too quickly. Too cold, it doesn't set properly. You have air entrainment. 
So for like a place like this where it's indoors, it's heated all the time, you don't necessarily want to air in the concrete. You want the concrete to be as strong as possible. And why is possible. that? Because you want the concrete to be as dense and as strong as possible, right? And it finishes nicer and everything. But any exterior applications where the concrete needs to expand, contract, and breathe uh, with the temperatures outside, you add air to it. So it's basically like soap. So you're entraining air bubbles inside the concrete so it doesn't freeze, crack, and shatter on you over the yeah. course of the... Life of the and then it behaves product. like eggs inside, right? Because more air bubbles stronger. Exactly. Like but eggs, you don't want too you many. Mean, yeah. like, a, like an arrow, you know arrow how bar. An egg has yeah. strength, got so it. it makes it yeah. stronger. Oh, I got yeah. you. So okay, typically, cool. you want the the ideal uh, air uh, content in an exterior uh, load. You want it to be between five and seven percent. Anything over that, you know, the concrete will be weak and brittle and cracked. You know, that's what you want to aim for, a 5% air and training. Are you able to salvage if everything was not ideal? Because I'm assuming that part of your job is the seasonal factor, the weather factor. Yes. Like you can't, I, I know what you know is a perfect mix and a perfect pour and a perfect cure. Yeah. That's probably fucking very few, very rare that that happens because you have to deal about seasons. And also you're pouring in the middle of the night, which is cooler. So you got those factors. So, I mean, are there ways to adjust and you shift and change and No, work? yeah, absolutely. You could add water up to a certain viscosity. After that, you have to use plasticizers, right? Because if you have too much water in the load, you know, shrink cracking, you know, your concrete's garbage. One of the best examples of that was CFB Trenton when we were rebuilding the runway there. Uh, after the contractor screwed up, the closest different plant was an hour and a half away in Bowmanville. Oh, the guys who are with Contracting Canada looking after this. That's a lot of money wasted. Yeah, they no, but they said, you know what, we will allow this. We'll allow you to go up to two hours because CSA says an hour and a half. But most people pour at two hours anyway. Say, well, we'll go up to two hours with you guys. Just get it here on time, dump it and leave. So what I would have to do is I'd have to doctor it at that end and tell the drivers, okay, you got to leave here with like a five or six, which is pushing it. But I know that it's going to dry out on, you know, hot summer day on the way to CFB Trenton. Right. But if they get caught in traffic, you know, if there's an accident, which what did happen one day and it was with the first truck, they just called the oh pour off God. because you're going to be throwing money away. And we were doing 400 meters a day. It was a crazy job because you had, I had to drive out to Bowmanville. I had to test the first load, burn it all the way over to Trenton, clear security, get through security, set up my tools, let the other guys test again. And then if there was a dispute with them, I'd have to test. And usually a lot of the times there is because the guys who they hire as testers, they pay them or back then they paid them like 10 bucks an hour. You have your own car. They have no incentive, you know, to yeah, they're not motivated. Yeah, exactly. They come, they do their tests. Oh, it's bad. Okay. And then you'd have to prove them wrong. You know, either yeah. their equipment was malfunctioning, which a lot of these guys were, or, you know, there was a problem with the way they were, do, you know, testing. There's certain methods. You have to be certified to test concrete. So how do you get that certification? Go to ACI, uh, yeah, American Concrete Institute, and then you could look for a class in your area. And it's usually held at like a college or it's usually held at an institution. And I think it's like 1100 bucks. You get certified to test concrete. Is it pretty extensive? or is Yeah, it... it's pretty extensive. It's like a two, three day course. Oh, wow. Well, there okay. is another way. You can open up a Cracker Jack box and get it. From there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's kind of funny. That, that's probably true. Yeah, no, but you know what? There was a few times, I won't say on what site, but, you know, you'd have like some of these guys, the testers who didn't really speak that good of an English. So uh, you'd be like, hey, you know what? Well, why don't you go with my buddy you look like you could use a coffee right <laughs> you know you slide the slide the intern like the company credit card and i tell him don't bring it back for a fucking hour and then, you know, he, they'd fuck off and then we'd just dump all the trade trucks secret and, guys yeah, <laughs> yeah bribe people with coffee or tell them that you're buying 
first round of jackassers. That usually works. <laughs> There's no bribes in so, concrete. <laughs> so there also is faster curing concrete. Is that oh, something yeah. you guys use in commercial? Yeah, there's accelerated concrete. Uh, MTO uses a lot of uh, what they call fast track concrete. Do you so like it? I like doing it. It's a rush. I, I used to love the rush of doing it, right? Because you, Adrenaline. The, yeah, the concrete shows up on site from the minute you add the additive. So it's calcium chloride and plasticizers. You have 15 minutes to get that Holy entire load dumped off. Really? Yeah. So they'll like cut patches wow. in the roadway in the 407 to do repairs. You have 15 minutes to load your uh, load your uh, plasticizers, your uh, additives up because the concrete starts setting like that, and it goes from say you know 25 degrees Celsius to like 35, 45, like in a matter of minutes. Wow. So you got to dump this shit quickly and get it off. And then the driver's got to wash his fins down and everything. So usually when we do fast track, you get like an old jalopy truck, one that's like on the end of its life, but, you know, still running. <laughs> Just in case. <laughs> Just in case, because you, you pull up to a site in a brand new truck and then you lose a full load. And then you grand. have to spend, you know, either 10 grand for a guy to crawl inside the drum and chip it out. That's or, when you see a grown man cry. Yeah. Grown man cry. Am I fair to say that the commercial concrete industry is kind of like the major leagues of concrete? Like, oh, absolutely. Like if you really want to be a serious pro, you start there. Absolutely. Do the guys leave that world and get into custom residential and other kind of concrete business? Oh, yeah. You see uh, guys like Donald Contracting. I think they were in, uh, I think they do some occasional work doing ICI and stuff like that. But, you know, they do a lot of residential work. They do a lot of basements. They do a lot of forming for basement walls, things like that. You know, you see a lot of guys who are, oh. Hey, thank you. Hey, look at that. Mark ah, is giving us drinks. You're the man, Mark. Look at thank that. you. Grazie. Grazie. <laughs> Um, yeah. I was going to ask you, fibers. So are we are we past the days of rebar, or rebar is always going to be a part of this situation? No, rebar will always have its place, don't get me wrong, but there's some applications where you pour concrete and you can't get rebar in, so you're stuck. Okay, what do we do to reinforce the concrete? What is the rule of rebar? Like, I listen, I drive in the gardener, back to the gardener, I don't want to fucking diss it all the time, yeah. but there's a reason why I see about an inch and a half of concrete peeled right off and I see rebar. So I'm assuming that you needed more concrete, more beef. Well, well it's not also the mix, right? Because back then they didn't know anything about, you know, salt penetration and concrete yeah. and how that would you know affect it right because before they would throw sand down on the road and be like okay if someone drives out the bridge it's his fucking fault right <laughs> hopefully there's I enough like sand the that ways. it's a ramp right? no, but no no but I, I like I, that's why everyone no is but i'm driver. a country guy right so like up by me they throw down hot sand on the road you know because salt's gonna do fuck all right it's gonna melt and then it's gonna freeze and then you're gonna get black ice and skid off into the ditch so i think that's what i would recommend you know yes it's a little bit more uh labor intensive to clean up but instead of putting brine down which just destroys i know bridges, you can't even see yeah no there's uh covers your windows there's one bridge in mississauga which i refuse to drive over because which they, one? uh it's a it's a just past area mills parkway on the 403 because the contractor put it in concrete was suspect it was beautiful but the city of mississauga used brine to basically melt all the snow and they drove uh, like and people are driving over this thing but after one year of construction like you could already see the concrete starting to flake and I'm like, why would you do that? Was the city notified not to use this? We told them and we recommended not to use it. They still do it anyway. Didn't get the email, I guess. Eh? And, and for it. everyone who doesn't know about concrete that's listening, you can't just patch concrete. No. no. It's not the solution to it. Well, that's why there's such an artistry and a professionalism to actually pour in it. And exactly. keeping You're the pouring. pores consistent so yeah, that yes. they're mixing. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, I hear this all the time because I do concrete too. I tell people not to over vibrate. You that tell people weird. to what? To what? Yeah. That, that, was that the microphone? <laughs> no. <laughs> you, you said to, oh, vibra, my boy. 
I think, let me translate for Carlito. Let me say that again. Over vibrate. Yeah, I think Manny wanted to say that. <laughs> so you can over vibrate. Yes. You can bring all the, the piece stone or the, or the rock down to the bottom and exactly. then leave the slush on the top, which will crack. The yeah, creme, exactly. The creme. And then you lose all the tensile strength, right? So basically, you're going to have a whole, it's like a beer. You're going to have all the foam sitting on top and all the content sitting on the bottom. And you want it to have a very good mix, right? I mean, I like my beer cloudy personally, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Sean, can you give us a little bit of a glossary of like translations? I want to know some of the, the, the like the, the, the terminology that guys use. If they're tr drivers and batchers and everybody, are there certain keywords that we don't know about that I want to know? Mostly about? hand signals. Is it? <laughs> yeah, well, hand signals is another thing, right? But they say, uh, you know, because a lot of these guys, like I said, who are testing, they. Uh, you know, they don't speak that good English, right? Driver will pull up to site, QC guy's not there, only this guy who doesn't speak any English. And, you know, a guy, you know, a hit ripping on the Portuguese, we're going to have to do it again. That's so, okay, man, he's Portuguese. Don't worry. Yeah. I don't have any feelings. Yeah, so <laughs> so the guy was like, hey, carai, you know, I want I wanted a Portuguese four, which is like a, a six-inch slump, right? So the, the spec will be four-inch. But, you know, they'll get the guy to test the concrete. And this is why I don't want to live in condos downtown because they pour everything wet because they want everything to go fast, right? Yeah. Oh, shit. And the, the Vibrates fast. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. The contractors doesn't, doesn't want to pay for the plasticizers, right? So they soak the shit out of the concrete. They pour it and they walk away. That's why you see a lot of these places falling apart after five <laughs> That's years. funny you say that. Here's the callback. How do you fix a building that's already built and people are living in it? You can't. You can't. How do you do that? Now people can look at the gardener as an example. That's the exact same thing. Yeah, it all comes down to, you know, they want to make their money. And the faster they build these condos and, you know, the faster these hit these yuppies and these oh, hipsters talk I, I mean, I, I'm not in that business, but I'm, yeah. is it fair to say that there is already a lot of money to be made when you tender a job and you are the concrete guy that's going to do this job? There's extras, a, extras, yeah, extras. You're making, you're making good money, aren't you? So uh, why do you want to make more money? Is it just greediness? They don't give a shit about this building later on? Well, a lot of these contractors don't get paid for 90 days, right? It depends, right? So you're carrying the cost of your crew <laughs> and everything for, you know, 90 days. And it's like, hey, I need to get paid, right? So there's incentive on you. Hey, look at how many floors I built. And some of these guys, they give you a bonus for finishing fast. I'm not going to say which companies, obviously. There's incentives for these guys. A contractor will be like, uh, or a developer will be like, okay, we want occupancy by this date. If you guys get this stage of construction done, there's a bonus for you guys, right? So there's an incentive for everyone to get this done faster. And yeah, but sa faster, but properly. Ideally. Of course, properly. Yeah, yeah. On, on paper, properly, right? But that's why you see these guys, you know, test the load before they doctor it so they could say, oh, hey, our cylinder strengths are good. You know, we did nothing, right? But the reality is, you know, if there's nobody on site, you know, looking after these guys and telling them, hey, you can't put that much water inside that load. You're going to fuck up the wall. You know, you, you run into problems. What's the bad side of this commercial concrete business? Is it like when something goes wrong, everyone just puts their hands up and just points the fingers at each other or someone just oh, does I, not take culpability? Is that the idea? Yeah, absolutely. Whenever anything went wrong, especially when I was on that side of the fence, you know, you know, uh, the engineering firm would uh, call up and say, oh, yeah, your cylinders are bad, you know. But that could be bad for a whole bunch of reasons. It could be bad because your guy's not testing properly. It could be bad because the guy put the cylinders on top of something that's vibrating and everything, you know, all the aggregate fell down. To wow, the bottom. that's brilliant. I'm going to keep my eye open for that. Yeah, look for the cylinders Excellent and make sure tip. that they're stored in a, in a good place, right? Because you're not worried so much about the concrete going in. Like if you're focused on the results, you got to make sure that those cylinders are in a place where they're not going to be disturbed, right? Because, you know, 
people kick over coolers all the time with cylinders inside and go, oh, fuck, these are nothing, right? And then the, they send some guy to come pick it up, and then they bring it back to lab, and then some monkey at the lab is testing this, and then... All Wait, these they have animals at the lab? <laughs> yeah, some of these guys. Yeah. I'm going to say they're monkeys. Yeah. I'm going to agree with him on yeah. that one, yeah. man. Seriously. And then, you know, then it's up to the concrete company to defend themselves. So then either that happens one of two ways. We take, they take uh, cylinders off of every single load that goes out. Really? Uh, they started to now. Like all, any major pour, unless it's like a house wall or something, they start taking cylinders off every major pour, especially MTO jobs and everything. And then what they'll do is they'll have a set from the, fact, uh, like the uh, plant and the set on site uh, that they test and they retrieve, right? And that's just to cover our ass, you know, to say, okay, this is what it came out as. We verified it. So if your cylinders are bad, but our cylinders are okay, we're not at fault anymore. You guys figure it out. So at a commercial level, do you guys uh, use wax or sealer primer? What do you guys use? Um, or do you not? It depends on the application, right? I mean, there's some house walls that, you know, you want to use, uh, I forget the, it's a liquid tight product that basically adds this, uh, it's almost like a gel-like substance uh, to the concrete so it doesn't crack or expand or anything. And that waterproofs your basement. And like you've seen like tubs made of this concrete filled with water and they're not leaking. I mean, it's a very good product. I forget the name of it, but I'll have to look up. There's other products that we put on like... They'll use that as a finishing agent for... No, an additive to keep yeah. it dense. Yeah, keep and it then dense. there's a white cure that goes on all the road base. Wax. That goes, yeah, wax that, and that goes on all the sidewalks too. We, we do it, it in like, basements too. Yeah, you guys do it in basements too. Yeah. Uh, there's all sorts of additives. And that slows there. down the drying or curing time, right? To keep it wetter longer. Absolutely. Makes it harder yeah, and stronger. Especially with the UV rays too. Like if you're pouring on a nice hot summer day and there's like no shade or anything around you that just prevents the concrete from uh, having like all the surface water bubble up uh, too fast right I mean you want it to happen but you don't want it to happen too fast now I know you're a concrete guy but really what is your outlook to like clean straight rebar or primed rebar is there really a difference there is a difference and it all like I said it all depends on the application I personally would go coated rebar with everything if it were me if I were building my own house, even your house coated rebar. that green coating stuff yep. what, I is, heard what exactly is that stuff so what happens is like you see on the gardener that's all rebar that hasn't been coated right yeah so when the snow melts and then there's salt in the water and everything and it freezes it eats away at the uh, it allows the oxygen in right exactly it eats away at, at the rebar and it starts to rot whereas with this green coating It'll just basically beat off and you won't have to worry about it. It won't penetrate the rebar and start to flake and start to disintegrate. So it adds, I guess, 50% of life? Exactly. I, you know, it's worth the money. It's worth spending the money. Absolutely. Do you find that the rebar is just as important as the concrete? Yeah, everything is important. You know, uh, from the guys you pick to finish everything, you know, if one thing's off, like I said, you know, you're going to see the end product and it's not going to be a nice product. Is there a, you tell me, but because uh, I'm always fascinated when they, I want to pick on the TTC now, the Toronto Transit Commission <laughs> here in Toronto, how our, I call them basically fucking horse-drawn carriages, the way that it's, it's just stupid. I think it should be built a different way, but they seem to be ripping up the lines on major arteries like Queen Street and King Street almost every five, maybe seven years, and then I noticed that. So they have those pedestals that are holding the rails yeah. that are all coated in that green stuff, and then they're sitting on top of a bed of concrete and then they encase all of that into concrete. But then all of a sudden, a year or two later, you start seeing a whack of cracks. You start seeing a whack of fucking deterioration. And I'm like, 
this was just ripped up. Why is it falling apart? I get it that you've got this heavy structure that's traveling on this thing every single time. But I don't see those cracks and shit like that when I go to different countries in Europe and they're doing the same kind of LRT setup. Because you're drunk. (laughs) (laughs) It's okay. I'm drunk half the time. No, I'm not (laughs) drunk. (laughs) But but you look at Europe and they don't have the climate uh, that we do. They don't have the punishment. Germany? Russia? Germany, yes. But (laughs) I I mean, when you look at Germany, they're like 500 years ahead of us. They're not very funny, but they know their shit. You know what I mean? Saying their yeah. technology is 500 years ahead. Exactly. They're yeah. way ahead, and we don't want to embrace it. And I just thought that why doesn't a city like Toronto embrace technologies that come from other countries? Someone's already proven it there. And it's also yeah. environmentally friendly. We're yes. not tearing the oxygen yes. of the yes. trees down, right? Yes. But, no, it, but we have. Yeah. I, it, it all comes down to politics, and I'm going to be very careful I walk because I don't want to like car bomb. It, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Shit where you eat. Yeah. Well, not only that, I don't want the I don't want anyone at TDC be like, oh, who the fuck is this guy, right? So. <laughs> If anyone listens at Mr. TDC, Smith is our guest today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it's not his real name. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, but, but you know yeah, what no, I mean. It all comes down to politics, right? I mean, you look at the trains or uh, the LRTs, right? I mean, I think Siemens had a bid where they said, okay, uh, we'll come to Canada, we'll build a factory, and we'll deliver all the trains you want within a year and a half. The same timeline that Bombardier has had, but because of politics and everything, they go uh, Bombardier. Don't, don't, don't. Get me on the Bombardier. Fucking. Yeah, but yeah, that, bum, that's bum, the, bum, bum, but bum. It, all, it all comes down to that, right? Because we always want to say, oh, yeah, we're Canadian. Canadian innovation, Canadian this, Canadian that. Oh, really? So then why is it that when I'm stepping on all those new dimple corners at all the pedestrian walkways, they're all made in France or India? That's a good question. Even in the States. Yeah, I would. They're not be, even local that's steel. That's because Trudeau's sending everything across. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just amazed that, yeah, sure, we want to be Canadian, 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 buy in our own backyard. And the Americans want to do that, too. No, exactly. But, but I see those little things, and they're, like, made in France and made in India, and we don't have our own steel here? No, but when you look at it, too, they like, a contractor will be spec something by the city. We want you to use this product, right? If you don't have the oversight on the job site on that day and they install it, somebody comes back and goes, hey, that's not the right product. It's like, oh, well, where was your oversight? Really? Yeah, that, that's how it pretty much works. Fuck. Where was your oversight? You we know, should where be was politicians, it? Carlito. Yeah. I'm going for prime minister. <laughs> I'll vote for you. Yeah, I'll, I'll, can I be minister of defense? Uh, yeah, I'll like vote for you, too. Yeah, awesome. um, but yeah, no, it all comes down to that, right? And you know, they'll install it and it'll be like, okay, well, your guy signed off on it for today. So if you want it ripped up and replaced, we're going to be uh, we're going to charge you double to rip it out. While we're on the talk of the whole TTC thing, I I know that there we're behind in technology and trains and transportation and most cities don't have a lot of cars. I believe that the city's not being built well because we have contractors and construction companies that need to park and move around and we're not designing the city pro- accordingly to the people that we really need to build this city. I've always said that the HOV lane should be open to contractors. Every single contractor. And tax breaks. <laughs> I, I agree with you. And, and, and I'm not just saying that because I'm in the industry, but I think that when you look at the studies and you talk to contractors and they're getting a third of what the day, the work day that they used to get back in 20 years ago, 25 years ago, they yeah. can get around the city a lot faster. That's affecting business. So that's basically what you're doing is there's got to be a percentage of these businesses that are going under, moving on to something else. And, and that's why people are chipping industry. out. And that's exactly. They chip out. And then, then the big question comes from politicians where they're saying. Did you say 
chip out. Yeah, chip out <laughs> from politicians where they're saying we need to get more people into trades. We need to get more people into trades. I go, you're fucking forcing them out of the trades because you're not making it. I get that trades are not a glamorous career. No. I get that you're not the next person who's making a stupid fucking app for the Kardashian fuckheads out there. But trades can be a very lucrative business to be in no, and an attractive business no to they're be extremely in. lucrative you look at the trades right now you know uh apprentice carpenter what are they starting off at 25 bucks an hour my first job i started off at seven bucks an hour i mean the trades are extremely lucrative i mean hell the elevator mechanics they make a freaking killing i used to work for an elevator company too looked there's after, nothing this guy hasn't done yeah I, I looked after their new construction but i left them and went on to greener pastures because it paid a lot more sorry schindler but uh, <laughs> was that, but, was uh that a low blow? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's uh, you know, you look at elevator mechanics and their apprentices are starting at like thirty-eight, thirty-nine dollars an hour. And then, you know, they're And benefits and pension. Yeah, yeah. And then I think it was like uh, their last contract, it was like fifty-eight dollars an hour for a licensed wow. mechanic. Wow. If you're an adjuster, it's like seventy-seven dollars an hour plus. Good for them. And they charge hundred and thirty. Good, <laughs> good for them, man. That's um, the way it should be. Let me ask you your favorite build and your worst nightmare build in concrete. Favorite build uh, definitely was a military application. I always uh, challenging. It, it's always challenging. Newest and, products. Yeah, it, it was a product, and it was uh, just like the finished result was amazing. I well, really let's like, call it bulletproof. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, it, and, it, and, it was one of my favorite projects because you know I, I you know I support our troops and everything and. You know, it really felt good to do a project like that and then, you know, to ensure that, hey, you know, this runway is going to last the next 30, 40 years and they're not going to have to worry about it. Worst project was Billy Bishop Tunnel at the Billy Bishop Airport. Really? A PCL wow. job. I heard that's what been going for years. What, that, that what was, don't we know about that? Uh, well, that, that tunnel flooded during construction. That was a disaster. Uh, How long of a tunnel was that? It's like a hundred meters. I, I, can't, I can't remember the exact specs, but it basically goes underneath the water and it comes right back up. 300 feet. Yeah, th about 300 feet, yeah. And it flooded. And it flooded. So that's the reason why we can't do a tunnel from the 427 to the DVP. Uh, well, I mean, you're going right underneath water, right? And you had to dig uh, through bedrock and everything. Uh, the Lincoln Tunnel is underneath well, water. Well, let's no, really talk about it. it. There wasn't proper additives to it. The concrete wasn't dense enough. I mean, in back in Europe, my uncle has, has no roof on. It's just a concrete slab. Yeah. There's no water that gets in, man. It's been what, like 30 years. What went wrong with that tunnel? Anytime you dig near water, you need sump pumps to pump the excess water out. It was a, Even hydraulic? I, yeah. It was a case of, I think it was like the security guard who didn't do a walkthrough in the tunnel or notice any water. Or I, I, I can't remember the exact terms, but they came back on Monday and the whole tunnel was flooded escalators moving walks were installed and they had to rip oh. that out it was a disaster yeah i'd say it was like 75 percent complete when it flooded and uh it, there was a massive lawsuit that went on and you know going <laughs> back in trenton like there's a beautiful island there prince edward county yeah belleville such a beautiful place yep. bombers you must have loved that view it, it was a beautiful out there and then uh, the uh, the local nightlife uh particularly i think it's like the locomotion lap dancing club that was pretty good too i think it was burned down there's a plug there's a plug it's gone i'm kidding of course charlie don't go through my expense reports from 2013 but uh yeah no it's uh no it was nice working out there uh the people there were super friendly and yeah it was a different world working on what i call the ideal construction site where you have people watching everything you do you know you sneeze the wrong way you're gonna get kicked off site whereas you know like you come back uh, from working in like a 
the ideal construction site to like downtown where you know buddies in his uh, truck smoking a cigarette flicks it off and it hits some baby in the face you know oh my god because they're not thinking anything yeah, no, they, they, they think they're, they're in concrete planet that's what it is no right? exactly i've seen guys like throw water bottles cans inside concrete that's getting poured and i'm like what are you doing i fucking hate that why do they do that I can't stand that, man. Yeah, I'm not one of those guys. I don't know. Yeah, like, what the fuck are you doing? I don't even... Sp- I'll spit in a bush or in a garbage can. I'm that yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, you can't do that in a concrete. You I don't hate watching guys park everywhere. Can, can, yeah. Sean, can I ask you who's your favorite concrete supplier? I'm um, loyal to Dufferin, and uh, the, the problems that... Uh, we didn't have any problems when we were out at uh, CFB Trenton doing that work there. They're at mixtures and everything, and they're uh, the guys who they have working on these mixes. They're mad scientists, as, you know, as much See of a mad... Uh, Mark's out of here. Handsome right, sorry, Mark. Thanks for the drinks, Mark. <laughs> Thank you. Ciao, Mark. See you guys. Yeah. See you later. Sorry, Sean. Yeah. Uh, no so Dufferin. I get it. Concrete's not that gra- glamorous, but if you have guys that know what they're doing, like uh, the mad scientists, so to speak, you know, creating these admixtures and creating these crazy mixes, like 150, 120 MPA. Who are these people that are saying that concrete's not glamorous? I fucking think concrete's glamorous. Everybody no, I, loves concrete. Yeah. Like a lot of the architectural work on the Mississauga BRT, we did as well. Like that was a project that I was on for about six months. That's beautiful stuff. Yeah. Man. No, that's all architectural concrete. It's yeah. beautiful stuff. Where, where do you see yourself in the future? Are you staying in concrete you happy with concrete i mean like i said i'm working for a company right now i mean we do a lot of work with concrete and we do a lot of work with contractors because we're uh the company i work for right now we have to basically account for concrete rebar and everything being put in because when we put in our broadcast antennas and our das systems so distribute antenna systems uh, for cell service and everything we have to be aware of where everything's going so we get the best coverage so i, I mean i still see myself in the industry we'll see if something better comes along or you know, they say, you know, Sean from Mayor Toronto, absolutely. You got my vote. How do yeah. we how do we get the concrete morons here that are the politicians uh, paying attention to what other people in other parts of the world are doing with concrete to actually implement those ideas? How do we get that? Uh, get, Is that possible? Get, getting them on, uh, on question, site terms. Yeah, uh, getting them on uh, site visits, you know, like say, uh, you know, I... You see it all the time where a politician will travel to a different city and visit overnight or visit a site that's going on. Look at what they're doing in, say, New York or Boston or what they're doing over in Berlin or what they're doing over in London. And it's like, okay, we can't do everything exactly the way they're doing over it. uh, They're doing it over there because of codes, et cetera. But we could take some of the aspects that they're using and, you know, implement some of those aspects in our projects. Yeah. You bringing that up makes me think of what do you think about the whole fucking Dubai thing? Are they just going ballistic Whoa, and crazy? I'm very interested in that. Well, they, they got to find a way to clean their drug money, but I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I, no, I, I, I know slave yeah, labor, a lot exactly. of Pakistanis building, a lot of Pakistanis dying. No, it, it's atrocious what's happening to the workers over there. And, you know, I feel sorry for them. I have a colleague who was actually working in Qatar building the new uh, FIFA stadiums for the World Cup. You know, you look at it and it's like, yeah, okay, what happens when all this money runs out, right? Yeah, they're building a economy that's based on oil right now, but they, what happened? And I, I think they could see that. Where there's it's like, an expiration. Okay, yeah, there's going to be an expiration, but and, and they're going to have to solely rely on tourism over there. I think spending all the money on construction. I think they could be focusing on other things on in their economy rather than they can balance it out. Exactly. But I'm 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 amazed on some of the stuff because I've seen conceptual drawings of certain buildings that are coming in their oh, way. Oh, it's wild. And even like what was it five or six years ago with the Burj Khalifa? And all of a sudden oh, yeah. you're like going, what the fuck? Like how are you even thinking about these things? But yeah, I get it. 
It, but you should balance it out. I'm, I'm fascinated that where are they getting the technology from? Because it's not from Dubai. It's not from the Middle East. These engineers are coming from other parts of the world. No, exactly. They import uh, all their engineers and they have no problem paying them because, you know, I, this guy that I know he was making, I think his daily rate was like three or four grand US a day. Wow. Just to show up. Just, and- just to show up and inspect and ensure that everything conform with the drawings. And I mean, it's crazy over there because you get guys from Europe, you get guys uh, from North America, you get guys from South America. Who but are that's coming. what I like. I like exactly. that there's a melting pot. When we come back to North America, specifically Toronto, it's fucking a guy from the East, a guy from the West, the a guy cheapest from the guy. South, yeah. the cheapest guy, the cheapest guy, guy. Whoever, the cheapest guy. Like whoever barks the loudest. And I'm like, that's not how it should be. It should be like, it should be a pool of ideas and contributing. That's what it should be. But how do we get to that point can we get to that point or is it impossible to get to that point we could get to that point if egos are put aside and in construction oh, you know fucking construction that was my next point you know in, in construction everyone's got an ego especially guys who've been in the business and who've had a successful business oh yeah i've been doing this business you know like this for the last 25 years and i made a couple hundred million who the fuck are you to tell me how to do my job but if we put egos aside and we'd be like hey you know there's new technology there's new ideas out there Hey, why don't we try this? Put that aside and be like, okay, I can forget my ego because I'm going to make a fuck ton of money. Usually, There's two ways of doing it. Great point, Sean. Money talks and shit walks. And, yeah. th- and this, is what, this is what the listeners need to hear. We, we can make a difference. We need to make some sacrifices. And sometimes when you don't worry about the money, the money comes. Good. When you try hard, you're not making money. I wanted to talk about how environmentally friendly concrete is. I really think that a lot of people are set on wood, wood, wood. Everywhere they look, it's wood. You know, the big oh, thing is wood. Is really? The cool thing right now is wood. What happens to concrete when you have less? leftover or you would do a demo everything's recyclable right everything's recyclable we even in some cases reuse the concrete in mixes you know right. we, we use oh, we call them chips in the industry so we have concrete chips that we put in the mix to reuse it right because you know we only have enough uh, resources we only have enough limestone we only have enough sand that we can keep pulling out of the ground you know for the next like 20 30 years right and then after that when it's gone it's gone then and we'll we, use plastic Exactly. <laughs> Save the turtles. Yeah, okay. That's the reality of it. People get on this environmental bandwagon. Oh, yeah, concrete's bad. Concrete, uh, you know, this is bad. What's bad? Logis bad. Every, like, everything what is about bad the, about It's concrete. bad on your back. That's yeah. about it. Yeah. Is, is it they're thinking it's bad because you've got this big honking truck yeah. that's they, driving through the core? And yeah, it's, combust- it's that. And then you see all like some of the slurry that you see on the street after the guy rinses Yeah, down. but you're not allowed to do that anymore. Yeah, you're not allowed to do that anymore, uh, but I'm pretty that's sure, changed. I'm pretty sure 20 Uber Eats and 20 Uber vehicles is probably harsher on the environment than one concrete truck and driving And they create around. more car exactly. accidents than anybody. It's just like those environmental protesters that closed down the Bloor Viaduct the other day and let me sit in traffic for three hours. You know, they uh, were quick to, you know, stop traffic because uh, this is the march for our lives kind of deal. And then after that, walk across the bridge at Broadview and go have a McDonald's for uh, lunch, right? You know, so yeah. those people in power. Contradicting. Yeah, those people in power who are making these policies and these decisions. It's and, a new generation. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we need to focus more on what's actually going on rather than, you know, the third, facts. on the facts rather than third hand knowledge of what's out there. So I agree. Uh, what do you want to see change in the industry? Where do I begin? <laughs> oh, fuck, eh? That much, huh? Uh, what know, are the top three things that need to change in this industry? Uh, I think there's got to be uh, more respect for the people at the bottom, definitely. So, like, oh, 
hundred percent for Man, that. Is he my friend or what? A hundred percent for <laughs> that. There, there's got to be more respect for the workers, right? Because you know you have some project managers who are just on this fucking ego trip, and you just want to like take him in the bathroom and just punch the fucking shit out. Just of Just swing them. the chute a little harder, oh, oh, right? Exactly, right? <laughs> Dump <laughs> the concrete right there. Yeah, exactly. There's got to be there's got to be a dialogue, you know, from the guy who's you know operating the chute, and then the guy who's like you know profiting from that chute, you know. The CEO of the company, they got to have a lot more involvement. Why can't we all just treat everybody on the same level playing field? Why do you have to have this sort of class system? I can't fucking stand that. I can't. I respect that CEO that actually will shake the hand of a driver and just go, thank you so much for bringing this load to this job site. Then someone who just stays in their nice clean suit and nice white hat. Treat everybody the same, man. So everybody will be collective. They're going to want to work harder. They're going to want to work as a team. Well, we're while we're on that topic, you did mention New York and you did mention power companies. You mentioned, you know, you got to be careful what you say. You never know what can happen. Let's talk about a mafia story with concrete. What the <laughs> fuck? You're really going to go there? I always hear oh, stories about concrete. Where's, yeah. where's Hoffa? You got to tell us where Hoffa I'll, is, I'll, okay? I, I don't know where Hoffa is, but I can, I can tell you I, there are probably some people who buried him who work in the... I, I'm not saying shit. My name is John Smith, by the way. Uh, yeah. And mine is... No, but you, know, there's, no they, but you, you could tell right away there's some uh, companies out there where it's like, oh, where do these guys get all this money, right? You know, like... Like this uh, this guy, you know. Well, there is good money in this business. No, there is good money in this business, but it's like, okay, this guy. Okay, so the guy who's doing concrete forming, uh, and you know, he's on the phone with a guy saying named Paulie for like about twenty minutes as he's vibrating the load, and then he's like, okay, guys, it's two o'clock, let's get out of here, right? And then he, you know, puts on his nice little Cole Haan loafers and hops into his Porsche Cayenne, and I'm like, what the fuck is this? <laughs> Yeah, not mafia at all. Uh, uh, yeah, it's fine. No collusion here, right? <laughs> um, Hashtag mega. One, one of my last questions, um, what's your goal for the future mm-hmm. and this year? Like, what's your real goal? My goal is I got about six or seven projects that are currently on the goal with my company. So I have to wrap those up. We have one for the rest of the year, for the rest of the year. I have uh, one project that we're on the verge of wrapping up right now. And because of, uh, I guess privacy reason I can't really get into it. For but sure. Hopefully, uh, we get this wrapped up and it's out of the way. Not only so we get paid, but it's just you know a project that was started you know back in 2015, and then we've been working with uh, various government agencies, especially transit agencies, to get this done. And there's only one thing holding it up, and it, it it's just politics right now. And if we could just put the politics aside and be like, okay, you know this is a very important project. I know you guys have a very important project too. So why don't we just work together? Let's just get it what done. What a dumb idea. Huh? Yeah. What a absolutely dumb idea. But you're, not, you're, you're not selfish at all. I just want to get the job done, man. And Can then you go imagine home. how much better things would be if actually people did that? Yeah. They just worked together? Well, and, you know, Sean started from the bottom of construction. Like, he started in it, like, painting and renovations and worked his way all the way up to him. I'm really proud of you, dude. Oh, thanks, man. No beer. I'm sorry. Uh, I know that you enjoy that. And Manny also. Well, maybe uh, one day we'll do a podcast no, yeah, where absolutely. we'll just be fucking drunk. Well, I did want to mention one <laughs> one last thing in my notes. Um, a lot of people don't realize that Manny's done a lot of concrete also. He really, like, focuses on his videos. If you watch them, there's a lot of really cool videos. But one thing he never does is he never films himself, and he's always wearing a sombrero <laughs> at the job site. <laughs> that is absolutely not true. I do it's not like own four a sombrero. Feet wide. <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't even have a poncho. What's wrong with you, man? <laughs> uh, I have All right. Seen. On that note, did we cover everything about concrete? Did I, we miss I think it? we did. I yeah. think we talked a lot about concrete, yeah, we, man. We, we focused on commercial concrete. That's what this talk was about. Thank you for all the knowledge. Fascinating talk. Yeah. Thank you so much, Sean. Yeah, really no problem. Appreciate Thank you for having man. me on. Appreciate it. There we go. So thanks again, Sean. Great talk. Great information. And uh, reach out to us, man. Send us some DMs if you want and ask us more questions. And we'll throw them Sean's way and we'll get some answers for you. But uh, this one was a really interesting one, man. Concrete. I love T-O it. T.O. Baby yeah. 416. Yeah. <laughs> thanks, Sean. We out of here. All right. Chill. Out of here. <laughs> <laughs>